Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, we conclude our FAQ series with a message titled, What is Holy? We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Hello, welcome to the Crossing Church. Can you keep that applause going as we welcome our campuses, our South Shore campus with Pastor Hector Rivera, our Plant City campus with Pastor Michael, and everyone watching online. We're so glad you joined us today, and we're glad you're here at the Tampa campus. A moment ago here at the Tampa campus, Pastor uh, Stephen Ponson introduced me and, and said uh, the way you spell Stephen is with a V. I would just like to remind him in the Bible, it's spelled with a P-H, amen? Just want to say, just a little reminder. Sorry, I just had to jab him right there. Well, I'm excited because Pastor Greg is going to be back next weekend kicking off a new series. You do not want to miss it. So invite your friends, invite your family, come to all of our locations. It's going to be an awesome series. And I also just want to show my appreciation for Pastor Greg and Pastor Tamara for another opportunity to teach the word here. Would you show them your appreciation as well? We love you. Thank you so much for everything you do. We'll have the honor of concluding our FAQ series today, Frequently Asked Questions, and we have covered some ground. We've talked about the Trinity, and Pastor spoke about, is there anything God can't forgive? Last week, we even spoke about end times prophecy. And today, I felt like I was supposed to teach on a single word, just one word. That's what we're going to explore today. And I'd not only want to define this word and explain what it means, but what it means for us today, how it applies to our lives Today, And I want to start by reading a passage with this word in it. And if you would, if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, if you would turn to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. It's a big book, it'd be hard to miss, but book of Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah chapter 6 is the origin story for the prophet Isaiah. If you think of like a superhero origin story, this is his story, how he became a prophet. And I think this passage is so timely. We've read it multiple times in the past several months Because in this passage, King Uzziah had just died, and King Uzziah was the king of Israel. He was a good king for many years, and then he fell into sin in the last moments of his life, died, and now Israel is left without a king, without a leader. And so it's a tumultuous time, a time I think is very close to what we are living in even today. And so this is how Isaiah becomes a prophet with this story, Isaiah chapter 6, starting with verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne and his robe filled the temple. Seraphim, which are angels, were standing above him. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. Two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. One called to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices and the temple was filled with smoke. Then Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth and with it and said, Now this has touched your lips. Your wickedness is removed and your sin is atoned for. If you're taking notes today, the title of the message is What is holy? What is holy? And with that, let us us open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you with humble hearts today. Father, so much going on in the world. We pray for the country of Afghanistan and everything going on there. We pray for the people of Louisiana and those affected by this hurricane making landfall even now. God, we pray that your power and grace can be felt 
everywhere, in all these situations, there, around the world, and even here with your people. God, we ask that you speak, that your presence be felt, and that you bring hope to the hopeless. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. So what is holy? What does the word mean? We've sung it many times in worship. You read it in the Bible. We proclaim God as holy, but what does it mean? Unfortunately, we typically find the word holy followed by other words, words like cow or Toledo or smokes or here we go again, Batman. That's if you just saw the 1960s Batman. That's for that generation. Shark repellent. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Five people here at the Tampa campus. Thank you very much. Well, the word holy has a rich and deep meaning. It goes all the way back to the very beginning of creation. If we look at the word in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, holy would be translated as the word kadosh. It's the Hebrew word kadosh, and it literally means to be set apart for a special purpose. If something is holy, it's set apart for a special purpose. It would also mean morally pure all the time and in every way possible. And the only one that meets that requirement is God himself. But holy means to be set apart. Now, in the New Testament, which was written in Greek, the Greek word used for holy is hagios. And hagios means different, unlike any other. If something is holy, it is different from the world around it. Something is set apart, different, unlike any other. That's what it means to be holy. Holy means sanctified or separated unto God. We might also use the word sacred. If something is holy, we would call it sacred. And the reason why something is sacred is because it begins to exclude other things that are common. Things are set apart and holy and other things are common. And it's so interesting because the culture today wants everything to be common. Culture wants nothing to be sacred and holy. And the reason why is because once we call something sacred, like if we call marriage sacred, it immediately means that other relationships are not sacred. And so when we begin to call things holy, culture pushes back and say, no, we don't want to separate these things. We want everything the same. Because honestly, no one wants to follow rules for their life. No one wants to be told what to do. No one wants to obey some morality outside themselves. They want to create the rules. And so culture today, the secular postmodern culture is trying to strip away anything that is holy and make everything common. And so if we look around in the world today, marriage is not sacred. Religion is not sacred. Morality is not sacred. Not even life is sacred anymore. And what happens when a society makes everything common and nothing sacred? We see violence and shootings, a flippant attitude for the unborn, broken families, war, genocide. This is what happens when nothing is holy and everything is common. I believe today, especially we as the Christians and as the church, need to reclaim what is holy. We need to call holy, holy, and common, common. This command actually comes from Leviticus chapter 10, verse 10. It says this, you must distinguish between the holy and the common, the clean and the unclean. We must be able to distinguish what is holy and what is not. And then how should we live our lives according? 
So to help us understand, we're gonna examine what is holy, what does the Bible say is holy, and what it means for us. What, how, can, how can we honor the sacred? So number one, God is holy. God is holy. God is holy in every way, in every attribute and in every action. He's holy in justice, holy in love, in mercy, in power, holy in sovereignty, in wisdom, and grace. He's holy in every way. His character and nature is the most unique, powerful, and beautiful thing in the entire universe. God is actually called holy for the first time in Exodus 15, 11. It says, Lord, who is like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? 1 Samuel 2, 2 says, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And again, remember, holy means separate, different, and unique. And there is nothing different like God himself. He is the most holy because there is nothing else like him. Even Jesus, when he taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament, he tells us to begin in this way. Matthew 6, 9, he says, Therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Now, being the most holy thing in existence, it's hard for our minds to grasp. What does this mean? How can we understand the character and nature of God? And so it might help to think of the holiness of God almost like the sun in our solar system. In our solar system, the sun is unique. There's nothing like the sun in the nine planets that surround it. It provides life and energy and heat. It has creative force. It's the reason why we exist on earth. It's a source of life, unique and powerful. But if you know anything about the sun, it is so powerful that if you get too close to the sun, poof, gone. That is the power of God himself. God is so holy, his moral character so perfect that no sin or impurity can stand in his presence. Even when Moses in the Old Testament met with God at the burning bush, watch what God says. Exodus chapter 3, verse 4 and 5 says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him, Moses, from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses answered. Do not come closer, God said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground." And you see this image, you could see this illustration of what it might have looked like. Go one back with Moses in the burning bush. You see, God is so holy and so powerful. God knew that if Moses got too close, that tremendous holiness would just consume him. Because we as sinful creatures with a sin nature cannot stand the pure holiness of God. That's why in the temple, when the Israelites built the temple in Jerusalem to house the Ark of the Covenant, you can go to that next slide, we actually put a room in the temple called the Holy of Holies, or the most holy place. And the Ark of the Covenant rested there where God said his literal presence rested in that room. And that room was so full of power that only one time a year, the high priest of Jerusalem could enter that room and provide a sacrifice. One time of year. And that high priest, when he entered that room, he had to make sure that he was so pure and without sin at that moment, because if he had any sin in his life when he entered that room, gone. He did, just to translate that, if you didn't know what I mean. Watch this, Leviticus 16.2, it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he may not come whenever he wants into the holy place, behind the veil, in front of the mercy seat on the ark, or else he will die. 
because I appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. How powerful that would have been. I think if the process for coming to church today was like that, any sin in your life as you walk in the doors, attendance might dip just a little bit. It'd be a risky proposition. But we don't live in the Old Testament times anymore, and I'll explain that in a moment. But God is holy, and he is so holy that any sin or impurity cannot exist in his presence. That is why the opening verses in Isaiah that we read earlier, the angels say it three times, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. So number one, God is holy. But what's interesting is point number two, places and times can be holy. Places and times can be holy. Now remember, holy means different, set apart for a special purpose. And in that way, the Bible talks about many things that are holy. The very first thing God deems holy is a day of the week. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says this, By the seventh day, God completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. For on it, he rested from his work of creation. That day of rest is so important that God said that day is holy. And we're reminded throughout Scripture, even into the New Testament, to keep the Sabbath, to keep it holy. Exodus 35, 2 says this, For six days work is to be done, but on the seventh day you are to have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. And you see, it's interesting, when Jesus came to the earth in the New Testament, the first century, he healed someone on the Sabbath. And all the religious leaders tried to catch him. They said, hey, you worked on the Sabbath. You healed somebody. What's the deal? And Jesus said, it's not to be a legalistic intention. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Rather, Sabbath was made for man. And Jesus told us in that moment, we don't have to be legalistic about the day of the week, but it is, you have to set a day apart where you rest. That's true today. I'm talking about today in your life. Have a day where you Sabbath, where you rest, because it is a holy day. Also in Isaiah 57, 15, it says this, For the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, says this, I live in a high and holy place and with the oppressed and lowly of spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the oppressed. I love that God says he dwells in a holy place, but he also dwells with those who are oppressed. He lives both in the holy place and everywhere else where people are struggling. You cannot escape the presence of God. Amen. He will find you. He will be with you wherever you go. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And then Ezekiel 42, it says this. Then the man said to me, the northern and southern chambers that face the temple yard are the holy chambers where the priests are to approach the Lord and they will eat the most holy offerings. So we have holy chambers, holy offerings, and there they will deposit the most holy offerings, the grain, the sin offerings, and restitution offerings, for the place is holy. So you see, we have places and times, even things like offerings that are holy. That is why when we give of tithes and offering, even today, those are holy because they are set apart for a purpose. They are different than everything else. That is why if you go on a trip to Israel, the place where Jesus actually walked on the earth, they call it the Holy Land, the Holy Land where Jesus was. My first trip to the Holy Land, it was my job to take pictures and video of the tour and all that, but I was really waiting for that moment where I would feel something. I really wanted to feel something special as I walked through the Holy Land. And several days went by and I didn't feel anything. I didn't know, maybe I'm not doing this right. Maybe I'm not walking around here right. 
until the day came we went to Bethlehem. And when you go to Bethlehem, you go to the church of the nativity. You wait in a long line, and then you get to this place, and you go down underneath the church of the nativity, and you see the spot where Jesus Christ was born. And I saw that spot, and I took a picture of it, and you walk into the next room where the tour guide began to teach, and I just started weeping. And in that moment, it hit me that that was a holy place. There was something different about that spot because in that spot is where God himself became human in the flesh and was here on earth. It was in that moment, that place that was holy. There was one other moment I experienced like this. There's a place in Cleveland, South Carolina. It's called Pretty Place Chapel. It's built into the mountainside and there's a plaque on the outside of the chapel as you walk in, and it says this, may a sense of the presence of God fill the soul of everyone who visits this sacred spot. And as I walked in the chapel, this is what you see. You walk down this aisle, and it's rows of pews and a cross at the end, and then mountains as far as the eye could see. And a verse written on the beam, I'll lift up my eyes to the hills, whence cometh my strength. And as I stood in this place, you could show the next picture, and I went down to where the cross was. I was just in awe of God's creation. And once again, I began to weep because I felt like this place was different. Maybe with the many prayers that have been spoken in that chapel or the times that people worship God in that place, I just felt the presence of God. Maybe you've experienced that here at the crossing. If you've come here long enough, there's been times in worship where there's just a holy moment, a time when God's tangible presence comes and visits us here. That is why it's important for us to come together and worship at all of our locations in person because the presence of God comes when we worship together. And I want to make a a special distinction here. We don't worship the moments or the things or the places. We don't create idols to worship. We don't replace God with anything else. We don't seek those moments. We seek the maker. We seek the maker of heaven and earth. And as we seek him, that is when he meets with us. And we create, that creates a holy moment. That's why we also talk about the importance of having a prayer closet in your house. Have a place in your home where you seek God regularly. If you don't have a whole closet or room, just dedicate a portion of it. Not that there's anything special about the floor there or anything special about the room, but set apart the place to say, this is where I meet with God. Maybe even set up a recurring calendar invite with all those Zoom meetings. You know what I mean? But say, this is where I'm going to seek God daily. This is a special place that is set apart where I will meet with him. So places and times can be holy. But now here's the really good part. Number three, Jesus makes things holy. Jesus makes things holy. So you see, throughout the Old Testament, before Jesus came, the Israelites, in order to be in the presence of God, to be near the temple, they had to be clean. They had to be pure. And it was things in the world that would make them unclean. It could be like touching a dead animal or eating certain foods or certain diseases would make you unclean. That's all those rules in the Old Testament of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And they had to cleanse themselves of those outward things so they could be pure to go and be in the presence of God. But Jesus comes and flips the script. And he says, no longer will those things make you unclean because I will make you holy for I am holy. Now watch this. Go back to Isaiah 6 verses 5 and 7. 
Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. What is Isaiah saying? Isaiah said, in this vision, he found himself in the Holy of Holies in the presence of God, and he was worried for his life. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. If I am here in the Holy of Holies, I'm going to die. But what happens? He doesn't die. Instead, an angel flies to him, and in his hand was the glowing coal taken from the altar, and he touched the mouth of Isaiah and with it and said, now this has touched your lips. Your wickedness is removed and your sin is atoned for. You see, this is prophetic, pointing to Jesus. Jesus is that glowing coal that when he touches you, your sin is removed. When the blood of Jesus is applied, your sin is forgiven. That is why when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus lived a sinless life, gave himself freely on the cross, and the moment he died, watch this, in Matthew 27, verses 50 to 51, it says, Jesus shouted again with a loud voice, this is him on the cross, he gave up his spirit, and suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. What is the significance? If you go back to that image of the temple, when Jesus died, the moment on the cross, this veil that separated the most holy place with the rest of Jerusalem was torn in two. And Jesus said, you no longer have to fear entering the presence of God because my blood has been applied to your sins and you are forgiven. You are made clean forever going forward by accepting his sacrifice. Second Corinthians 5:17 says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. He made the one, Jesus, who did not know sin, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ." So Jesus Christ comes on the scene, flips the script and says, "Nothing can make me unclean. Instead, I will go out." and make things holy. There's a moment in Jesus's ministry when he's with his disciples and a leper approaches them. And someone with leprosy, which is a skin disease, was marked as unclean. And if you came near a leprous person, then you would also be unclean and have to ritualistically wash yourself. But as this leprous man approaches Jesus and his disciples try to say, stay away from him, Jesus says, no, I'm gonna go to this man because I will make him holy. Watch this. In Matthew chapter 8, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And right away, a man with a serious skin disease came up and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. And immediately, his disease was healed. You see, any other Jewish person at the time would have avoided this leprous man at all costs. But Jesus said, I can bring my holiness to him and I can heal him with the power of God. I want to show a clip from the TV series called The Chosen. And it's an incredible series. You can give it up for The Chosen. You know, there's been lots of Christian media produced over the years. And I will say The Chosen is one of the best depictions of Christ and biblical stories that you can watch. It's on VidAngel, the app, if you want to see it for free. I don't know if it's for free. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. It's worth the price of admission. I'll say that. But in the Chosen series, which chronicles the life of Jesus Christ, they actually depict this exact scene of Jesus healing the leprous man. And I wanted to show it to you now. 
spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leopard. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 Rabbi you can't Please don't turn the wish from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. I'll give it up for that. It's so good. It makes me emotional to see that clip because that's what Jesus does for us today. You know, it might not be a physical disease that you're dealing with, but the power of Jesus Christ is regenerative. It heals not only disease, but it can redeem time. Time that you feel may have been wasted. And that's the last point. Not only does Jesus make things holy, but number four, we are called to be holy. We, us today, are called to be holy. To literally carry the presence of Jesus Christ wherever we go and reshape culture. To bring God's kingdom here to earth now, not later. Yes, we look for his second coming, but even now, with the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to go out and be holy and make a difference. 1 Peter 1, verses 14 through 16 says this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of this world. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. To be holy means to be different, to be set apart, to stand out. And we should strive to be like Jesus in that regard. And so for the Christians, I wanna leave you with this question. Do people notice that you are different? 
Do people notice that you stand out from the crowd? Do people notice that you are not conformed to the things of this world? That you don't buy into the ideas and ideologies of a secular culture? That you are holy for he is holy, different, set apart for a purpose. Do people see that? Again, Leviticus instructed us, distinguish the holy and the common, the sacred and the profane. Do not stand for sin and immorality. Live your life according to God's word. Do not agree with the sin around you. Don't laugh at the coarse jokes in the workplace. Call out things that you know are sin. But most of all, live a life so Christ-like that people have to ask, why are you different? What makes you so unique? Why are you different than the people around you? Why don't you stress as much? Why don't you have as much anxiety? Why don't you worry as much about everything going on? And you can give them the gift of Jesus Christ. You might ask, well, what difference can I make as one person? What if I'm holy? What impact can I have? I read an interesting statistic the other day that up to 85% of the oxygen in the world does not come from plants. All the forests and the trees and the plants in the world do not produce most of the oxygen. It's actually these tiny little creatures in the ocean called plankton. 85% of the oxygen in the world that you and I are breathing right now are produced by these tiny little animals in the ocean. You see, if we could finally come together as the church of Jesus Christ, and that we live lives of holy separation, distinct from the culture and world around us, we could affect the world. That's what Jesus literally called us to do in the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is unto salvation. That's what he did. And so I would encourage you, again, for the Christians, be different. Be different than the world around you. Stand out. It's going to be uncomfortable. The Bible calls us a peculiar generation. No one likes to be peculiar, but you kind of have to be. You have to be different than the world around you. But now for the other group who might be listening and watching wherever you are, you would say, I, I, I don't have a relationship with this Jesus. I don't know who he is, but I'm ready to be different. We want to pray a simple prayer of salvation, which means you give your life to him and say, now make me holy for you are holy. Make me different. And we're all gonna pray it together. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes, everyone at all of our campuses online. And everyone's gonna repeat this prayer, but if that's you, if you're saying, I'm giving my life to Christ today, for you especially, pray this prayer. Everyone together say, dear Jesus, forgive me, make me new, Redeem my past. Make me set apart. I want to be different. And teach me to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us this weekend. You can watch more of our on-demand messages and catch our live broadcasts on our YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash crossingchurch to subscribe. You can also download our app by searching for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For more information, visit wearecrossing.com slash locations.